Hello and welcome to the Investment Chat. My name is Fahad Kamal and I'm the Chief Investment Officer at Kleinwood Hambros. It is an absolute pleasure to welcome you once again. I'm Andrew Thompson, Head of Investment Management. Today we're going to take a look at markets that have begun the year very, very brightly and to have a look at whether that optimism is justified. Fahad, really good to, uh, to catch up as, uh, as always. Amazing as the months of 2023 skip by and we look back into how people tended to feel at the end of 2022, which uh, I think it's fair to say was glass half empty. There was an awful lot of pessimism and bearishness around. A lot of the talk was about probability of, of, of recession. In fact, many seem to see it as a, as a certainty and were just trying to determine whether or not it was uh, going to be a hard landing or a soft landing. Things seem to have changed a bit in terms of outlook now and people possibly talking about even a, a no landing. What are your thoughts and, 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 and what are you seeing from, from the data and what you're looking at in markets? Indeed, Andrew, we speak once a month and it, it, it's almost impossible to, to realize how much things can change even in that relatively short period of time. The last time we spoke, we were entering a new year. There was still a lot of hangover from, from what was a very, very dire 2022. But here we are heading towards March and clearly uh, the world seems to be a brighter place. The FTSE 100 alone has crossed 8,000. Who would have thought it a few months ago? Um, all-time highs here and Similarly, many of the equity markets that we follow across the world have had a really buoyant start. So what is behind this uh, this new ray of optimism that we see in markets? I think primarily two factors, really. Um, one is that things, economically speaking, on the actual ground, real economies, growth-wise, are, are less bad than we feared entering into the year. One of the reasons is China. Clearly, the lockdowns that have been a part of, of the Chinese landscape for so long have quite suddenly and quite spectacularly ended. And the Chinese economy is sort of roaring back. The IMF expects it to grow at about 6% this year, which is quite, quite spectacular. And the other factor really is is one of the weather. Uh, so we don't talk about the weather much in investing, but clearly the winter that we had in Europe was mild by historical standards. As a result, we were less dependent on very expensive gas. And as a result, the growth forecasts for Europe have been revised upwards. Both of those factors, if you think that you know the European economy is is an enormous block. Uh, the Chinese economy is obviously huge as well. Suddenly, much brighter expectations for both of them makes for a more optimistic global scenario. And Fahad, in, in terms of our portfolios, looking now at a potentially brighter 2023, notwithstanding still some some challenges geopolitically and, of course, still risks that, that, that exist economically. What areas, what, what, what asset classes are we perhaps looking at even more closely that may provide some some investment opportunities for us within client portfolios. Yeah, Andrew. Indeed. Look, before I even begin to talk about portfolios, it's it's quite important to to once again frame all of our thinking in the context of our of our framework. So the economic climate is the first part of it, the economic scenario, and and we know that it's less bad than feared, but there is a lot of noise in the data, and this is confounding. You know, economists with Nobel Prizes, let alone anybody else. 
on one hand, you've got a lot of data that's coming in stronger than we expected across the board. So China and Europe I've already mentioned, but even the U.S. consumer seems to be defying uh, inflation, etc., and spending at very buoyant, very happy levels. And that is obviously holding up the U.S. economy better. And, and, you know, we were expecting there to be weaker growth there, but it doesn't seem to be so. So there is... There's a lot of hard data in the rearview mirror, and also in terms of obviously unemployment, I forgot to mention, which, which is huge. We are seeing record levels of people employed all across the globe, and that's also another factor fueling the consumption that we see uh, in the US, but elsewhere as well. So that's all good. That's all hard data that's all in the past. Some of the forward-looking data does appear to be a bit more pessimistic. You know, For example, the yield curve would signal that, that, um, that the rates in the future are going to go down, probably because of some sort of a recession that's coming. But as I said, Nobel laureates um, are, are completely confounded by what is appearing to be much better actual results in the past in comparison with, with their more downbeat forecasts. There is a lot of sort of divergence in the data on, on one level. However, there's also, it's not just sort of between hard and, 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 and soft, between, you know, past and future. It's also geographically. As I said, you know, we, we clearly are in a better paradigm globally than we were in the past. The U.S. still seems to be one area where there looks that there's going to be more of a downshift in, in growth expectations. But most of the rest of the world seems to be better off this year than we started off at the beginning of the year. So a lot of confusion on the economic climate. The other factors of our process, as as you recall, are um, are the valuations that exist, momentum that exists in markets, and sentiment. How do each of those three fare within this sort of backdrop of of uh, confusing macro? Valuations are once again quite divergent depending on the geography. The U.S. If you look at the tech space in the U.S., still seems quite expensive. If you look at more of the value-oriented areas of the market in the U.S., less so. And the rest of the world appears much better valued than the U.S., largely because its sectoral composition tends to be away from tech. As a result, we, you know, we definitely see more areas of opportunity away from the U.S., particularly away from some of those still quite expensive tech names. We are increasingly tilted towards value. We still think that there's very good economic prospects and investment prospects in the emerging space, particularly countries that surround China and China itself. Obviously, we still think that there is um, plenty of opportunity in Europe as well, given that the economic fundamentals seem to have firmed from where we were expecting. Uh, And the UK is another area where we remain reasonably optimistic about albeit we have seen a, a strong rally in UK markets. And the UK was one of the areas that, that is particularly the large cap space, that didn't fall much uh, last year. So how much upside it has less, left to go is, is a good question. We'll see. But generally speaking, we are optimistic on areas that are outside the US. In the US, we still have a bit more pessimism. That's largely built on valuation grounds. But momentum is a, an entirely different factor that doesn't take into account any of the fundamentals. And there we seem to be on a strong tear 
across equities. As we said at the beginning of the show, the year has been started off quite spectacularly, you know, double-digit uh, equity uh, market performance from much of the globe, and long may it continue. That momentum factor is quite an important one, and one that we take quite seriously. As we've said in previous shows, if and when momentum turns positive in markets, we will, we will take that into consideration in our asset allocation. And it has turned positive, and it is weighing on us to be more optimistic about the future. And then the final part of our process is sentiment. We knew we were quite overbearish in hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight, you know, towards the end of the uh, year. And as a result, those very overbearish conditions do tend to see strong rallies, right? I mean, when markets are so pessimistic, uh, there tends to be only one way to go. We've seen that. Some of that, that, that really profoundly negative sentiment has not come off. Sentiment in markets appears much more, uh, much more neutral. So not giving us a clear view. So the culmination of those factors all in all is the economic conditions are are mixed but less bad than we feared the valuation case is is more compelling in areas outside the US momentum is positive across markets and sentiment was over bearish is not so much it, it appears more neutral as we sit today so far had hearing that it all looks as if things are marginally more optimistic as as we head into the sort of the meat of 2023. Specifically, what areas are we looking at as opportunities in portfolios? Where are we likely to make some moves to um, take advantage of a, of a marginally improving economic backdrop? Andrew, I, I think, uh, you know, clearly for us, momentum has been an important factorial change. And for us, it would suggest that we increase our weight towards equity from what was an underweight position to one that is neutral. Uh, specifically, we would be looking to add towards regions that are better valued and that also have more of a, a fundamental underpinning in terms of their of their macro conditions. Japan is one area where we would be looking to add to. We have not held any exposure to Japan in quite some time, but factors there have changed. One, of course, they are a, a enormous exporter to China and to the degree that China is roaring back, the Japanese economy should also benefit. Secondly, is that the monetary conditions in Japan seem to also be tightening from Clearly, you know, from uber loose conditions with a new governor being appointed at the Bank of Japan, who does have a track record of, of perhaps more hawkishness than the incumbent, there is potential upside there for the yen as well. So we would be looking towards um, reestablishing an exposure to Japan as well as um, as possibly to Europe as well, given that there is, as I said, you know, still reasonable valuation and firming economic fundamentals. That's on the equity side. Um, but we have also been rather underweight our uh, credit exposure, uh, investment-grade credit, that simply translates to corporate bonds, as the economic conditions were more uncertain last year and, and coming into this year. As I said, the picture seems to be less bad, where we have firming economic fundamentals, and the risk of defaults, of adverse economic consequences, 
to the corporate uh, bond market appear to be lessening. As a result, we think it's prudent to probably reduce our underweight. We have quite large underweight. We're, we're thinking about adding to our position uh, to uh, credit, given that the, the economic fundamentals are, 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 as I said, you know, affirming, but also that the yields on offer are quite compelling. You know, for much of last year, you know, before we had the seismic changes in the bond market, we weren't getting paid much at all for taking on quite a lot of um, of, uh, of corporate credit risk. Today, that's not the case. You know, we're getting paid five and a half, six percent in the corporate bond market. That is a reasonable yield given the risks that we're taking for largely sound and cash-rich companies. And those are the most uh, immediate areas that we are likely to make changes in our portfolios. Farhad, as ever, great to catch up. Thanks very much for your time and thoughts. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of The Investment Chat. We'll be back next month for a regular investment update. So do make sure you join us by clicking the follow button wherever you're listening to this right now. Every new episode will land straight on your device as soon as it's available. Until then, thank you for listening. Goodbye.